0: Welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate, and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest indeed. His name is David Grevenberg. Now, David is the Chief Executive at the Commonwealth Games Federation. He's had an very, very interesting career spanning many different cities countries internationally starting off with actually wrestling so very curious to find out about how he went from from wrestler through to international paralympic committee member through to chief exec of the glasgow to 2014 games through to now being chief exec of the commonwealth games so how he came there we'll find out more about during today's show but without further ado do. Welcome David to, uh, to the DNI Leaders podcast.
1: Great to be here. Thank you so much.
0: So, so tell us for the listeners that maybe don't know you as well, what, could you perhaps give us a summary of, of how you came to be where you are today? Because I know you're based up, up now in, in Scotland, you've been across from the States, huge amount of uh, a, a varied experience. How did you get there?
1: Well, I, I guess I have uh, probably three chapters to my <laughs> to my life. Uh, the first, uh, I grew up in New Orleans uh, in the states, which is a, a very culturally diverse uh, community. Lots of complicated shared history, but also a very distinct culture. Very much a melting pot. Sport was a, a great equalizer and, and unifier. Few traditional American sports like American football, of course, uh, baseball, basketball. Track and field, you know, of course, were, were were a number of the real popular sports. And then you had, of course, sports like wrestling, which I, I happened to fall into uh, and, and really enjoyed it. Uh, I uh, was uh, quite successful. It, it, it gave me a, a wonderful his high school career. Uh, On to university actually helped me start to see the world a bit. Um, and I went to university out of the... Uh, the great southern United States to the northeast United States, just outside of Boston, and where I studied sports management. And then from there, you know, after my wrestling career, I had the chance to uh, really start to translate some of the things I learned, uh, probably I would say on the street in New Orleans, (laughs) into benefiting the richness and diversity of sport and how sport really acts as a, a tool for Social justice and uh, equality, and uh, and ultimately uh, empowerment of people and communities. And I I worked with the Paralympic uh, movement, uh, moving it from a medical model to a sports model, and actually unifying uh, different disability groups. Worked on it, but I worked on it from a very much a high performance sports lens, and that that wasn't necessarily easy. But we went from integration to kind of this concept of inclusion, and that was a you know something that I found you know fascinating to to walk that journey through, where people saw this as oh well we have to integrate this because it's the right thing to do, versus wow this is part of who we are uh, in being an inclusive sport and being a diverse sport, and worked with a number of uh, both national and international governing bodies to do that. In 1999, after doing that for a while on the state side through Atlanta, Nagano, and in the lead up to to Sydney. I was actually hired as one of the first staff members of the professional headquarters at the International Paralympic Committee in Germany. And so I moved to Germany. And as the capital was moving from Bonn uh, back to Berlin, we we had the privilege of opening up the first world headquarters for the the IPC there. And I was uh, their sports director for almost 11 years and had the privilege of working both in development programs but also delivering major sport events like world championships and obviously the paralympic games the relationship with the international olympic committee and the and and, and the broader uh, mainstreaming of paralympic sport was part of that journey and i found the commonwealth games as part of one of many events we were working with um and the commonwealth games took a very particular uh, approach which was this inclusive agenda, and so which led me to after those eleven years on to Glasgow 2014, where I was the chief executive. So I got to put all my theory into practice and realize the challenge of being the chief executive of an organizing committee, and and then uh, after the success of Glasgow, ended up taking over the the reins for the Commonwealth Games Federation. So essentially, I'm an American. Uh, who've, who has become an avid supporter of the Commonwealth and is trying to push this from just being a designation by history or geography to really being a movement for social change. Where, that's where I am today.
0: <laughs> wow. And David, I love how genuinely passionate you are about diversity and inclusion. And I know you didn't mention it there, but you sit on a number of different advisory boards when you formally you've been president for for Wrestle Like Girl which I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that and then advising as well the Queen's Commonwealth Trust through to doing governance as a committee member for sport and human rights and you know I guess part of that clearly is because of the wealth of international experience that you've had but also the genuine passion rather that you have for for inclusivity which I would love to 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 know a little bit more about and share with our listeners but also to rewind the clock a little bit because actually you've had a huge amount of lived experience from growing up in America and having almost as we discussed prior to the podcast this almost this reverse piece where you were the only white guy in in many blocks of of a very kind of black community
1: yeah you know I think I think New Orleans is 85 uh, percent or when I was growing up 85 percent African American yet no one liked it Talk about the reason why that was the case. And, uh, and there was a huge white flight during the 60s and the, and the 70s when I, was, uh, when I was growing up, where people left the city and went out to the suburbs to, to really avoid the racial tension. And so there was a lot of elements that was just this backdrop to my, my youth. Um, it really wasn't, I wasn't that obvious of the difference. <laughs> it wasn't that blatant until I became a, a teenager when I was about 12 years old. Um, and I really realized and started to recognize, uh, as maybe being a white kid, uh, that I had privilege. And, that, uh, and what, uh, understanding what white privilege really was. And also understanding, you know, the, the, the failure to address the past and to actually acknowledge some of the atrocities and so forth of uh, of slavery and, uh, uh, and and really embrace, you know, that the difficulty of uh, truth and reconciliation, it was actually holding back our community. You know, we wanted to talk about all the wonderful, good things that we love and appreciate in food and music and, and culture, but we don't wanna talk about, you know, the, the really painful aspects in terms of people's identity and belonging and, and those types of things. And it became, you know, and I realized that you know, I was a I was a part of the system, and so I've I've been recovering from from that in some ways my entire life. And and the more I travel, the more I've gone on the world. To more fortunate uh, I feel in having perspectives that I do have from the environment that I grew up in. It makes me appreciate my home city of New Orleans that much more. Still a lot to do, but I I, I do have a certain perspective and a certain angle that uh, is fairly distinct because of those lived experiences and you know essentially I said you know whether whether it's racism whether it's issues around religious sectarianism you know all of these isms have common common uh, common roots and common factors and you know I've, I've had as I've said I've had the the opportunity to, to travel the world work uh, in, in a number of diverse places and as you do that, I've, I've realized how small the world really is. It's, you know, we're, we're only as different or disabled or marginalized as the way we treat each other and the, way, and the environments that we create. And I think those are, you know, those are, you know when I started working for the Paralympics uh, and, the, and the Paralympic sports movement. You know, I, I, the way I approached the work there was, you know, well, let's treat people as people regardless of their diversity we're all people and at the same point and and respect people's rights respect people's uh diversity and their 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 identity but at the same time create environments that that people can easily adapt to whether that's physical uh, adaptation social adaptation or style and spirit and so it you know and that takes a lot of soul searching a lot of honesty a lot of openness and uh, you know, at the end of the day I, I think it, it really it uh, takes courage it Takes courage to be vulnerable in that space so I I see myself now in the work that I do from where I came from as a facilitator of these courageous conversations and I've got a wonderful platform and medium that is sport the Commonwealth is not without its complexity both in terms of its shared history but also its shared ambition and Uh, I I feel very, very fortunate to be in a a place where I get to be uh, provocateur in the sense of stimulating some of this thought and discussion, but also being able to take meaningful action on these points, points, whether through our development programs or, or through our games.
0: This is what I love about speaking with you, David, is you're so candid and honest and and open when it comes to, as you put it, courageous conversations, but not being scared to to use words like privilege, which for many still in the world of business and in wider society is quite an uncomfortable thing to to be discussing. But clearly, this incredibly eclectic mix of cultures from all around the world has driven this passion. And I love that you You are using the platform to make a true difference and I've got involved in so many different aspects of diversity and inclusion and belonging, because ultimately, I still do think there is some individuals and businesses that when they think of diversity, they they presume immediately that must be that we're talking about race or we're talking about gender but actually there's so many other wonderful things that make up DNI&B and and holistically invisible diversities mental health social mobility education and background Absolutely. and such that it's great to actually put them all together in a melting pot and look at the juxtaposition between all of them and as you said you know this we're in a testing time right now but uh, we are all, we are all humans at the end of the day we're all flesh and blood we all have beating right. hearts and so we must recognize the similarities as well as those differences
1: yeah I, I, and that's you know I, I think that whatever your profession you know whether you work in the public sector the private sector the third sector you know I think We have worked in wonderful patriarchies, wonderful hierarchies that the the world has been structured, you know, around, around these systems, but what the emergence over the past several years of digital infrastructure, digital connectivity has made the world more informed better informed, better connected. In some places further apart because it's forced to have greater uh, accountability in some cases public accountability it debunks the traditional hierarchical cascade of both you know managing down and and also being managed up and forces us to work differently which forces us to address the diversity of those differences and I think that's what I I really have uh, enjoyed about the work that I've been doing most recently is you know, the world has become very, very small. And I also think it, some of the, the current dialogue out there that's trying to push us apart has become very predictable.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, I like to challenge, challenge that and, and really hopefully create a culture where people are able to be innovative, able to take risks, but also able to have really positive impact. And that is everyone seeking to to work with sincerity that in in a style that is appropriate to them. You get the best out of that. Is it the most efficient way of doing this? Well, I think that's part of the fun and the challenge is to look at those efficient ways. Is it meaningful? Yes. You can get the best out of people when you have meaning uh, and you have purpose and and you have positive impact and when you do that in a collective way in a communal way it's really really positive and especially and when you have it you know when you have it with rich diversity i think it i think it acts as a multiplier i mean i've seen amazing amazing difference in working with a board now of 47 48% female representation opposed to a board with 6% female representation and just how that Changes the dynamic. I, I sat on a board uh, of uh, wrestle like a girl, where I was uh, the only non-female on the on, on the board, and that was a fantastic experience as 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 well. And uh, you know, we we were pushing the uh, the agenda of. I would say the 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 the, uh, the enemy of feminism is not men; um, it's patriarchy. <laughs> and so it's it's how do we de- debunk? <laughs> The patriarchy, and not actually say that you know just because of my my gender that I'm uh, <laughs> that I'm the enemy. You know, based we all have a we we let's fight the system, not the not the person. And you know that was it to 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 really push the you know push the the agenda for equal access and opportunity. So I think you know there's a there's a number of things that uh, you know I think sport has afforded me the opportunity to to look at the world in a, in a very, I guess, inclusive manner and give me a, gives me a lot of hope and, and perspective in the, the potential of humanity. And, and I think at a time like this, with COVID-19 creating an enormous amount of anxiety, I think it uh, further challenges us to really see how we can make the most of uh, who we are um, and, and, and what we represent.
0: Indeed and you bring up so many valid points there from and I'm glad that you mentioned sincerity and how businesses which I think you mentioned this in a former conversation we had actually as well is that sincerity and breaking down those barriers especially at times like this now we should be harnessing because in a way to a degree is leveling certain playing fields in that the vast majority of people have got access to communication online. And so perhaps it is giving voices to to the minority groups and perhaps allowing us all to access the same kinds of, uh, of platforms. And also to an earlier point that you made there about businesses actually harnessing sincerity, harnessing purpose. I wonder whether we could talk a little about how this movement hopefully will continue in this vein, because you look back kind of 10 years ago, a couple of decades ago, you know, emotional intelligence was far less talked about than it is right now. The trend is, and hopefully a trend that will continue, is businesses that are genuine, leaders that are genuine, like yourself, that are sincere, uh, that cut through the crap, that you know that they mean what they say, they're passionate about what they do, and they actually care. And I think, you know, what with digital transformation and everything that's obviously happening now with COVID, it's very, very, you know, it's very easy to spot businesses and brands that perhaps are being less genuine about these specific agendas in a way and then also intergenerationally millennials millennials um you know you you mentioned your your son who's 15 now you know the generations of the future growing up in a world where social media and media is so at the forefront they can see what's going on um, they can see who's saying what it is a you know a world i hope that will be driven very much about things which aren't just commercial business, but are about uh, things that that make a difference or, or human rights, which I know you're very big into um, as well and have a lot of influence in that area, but businesses and forces for good.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, the, the notion, I, I get into the debate on authenticity versus sincerity all the time. Mm. Um, and I, I, I say, well, you know, you, Yes, you can be authentic, but, uh, and I think you can largely be authentic. Um, but um, if you lack sincerity, I don't know if you can be sincere. Uh, you can be sincerely unauthentic. <laughs> 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 and, 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 I, and I think that that's the, the question is that sincerity plays is, is really that notion of, I, I know from your heart that this is something that uh, is true and meaningful. And people are looking to connect with others and with purpose and causes. If you look at the rally here in the U.K around the amazing efforts of NHS staff to be that first-line support and protection and uh, lifeline in many cases, you know, no one would question the sincerity of an NHS worker right. In terms of that, the, the risks that they take and the sacrifices that they're making, and I think that that for me is something that is quite profound when we look at this. Where you know how we authentically create a digital application that um, does something different. You know, um, in terms of you know, I think the question, you know, not to say that one's not more important, but again. If it is, you know, if you look at the Microsoft Teams, which is one of the many platforms people are using right now, that was created originally for addressing, uh, to to be able to manage in a pandemic. So you you see Bill Gates talking about this. And so that brought to me a whole different line to the sincerity of the proposition of that, Mm. this product. And particularly recognizing the human element of how people are using it, and that, you know, that, that this was actually thought of. So how so it's not just what we create, it's how we create it. Whether it's a service that we're delivering or a product that we're uh, making, and that means more to people now than ever. And I think particularly to, to younger people, you know, was this created the right way for the right reasons um, and with the right methods? You know, and I think that's now becoming the, the differential because we're, we're, we're spoiled with options, we're spoiled with information, we're spoiled with content, we're spoiled with opinions. People are trying to see, you, you, you know, the, uh, the, the clarity in that. And I really do think that addressing, uh, addressing uh, the whole notion of equality, diversity, and inclusivity Leaders in this world need, particularly at times like this, to show respect. And that is respecting people's rights. They need to listen. And that is so hard for so many of us. I mean, I get, I get trapped quite often uh, in, uh, I should have listened more in that, that conversation, learn because we can listen and not learn, requires reflection. Learning, actually, how do I acculturate something? How do I, so respect, listen, learn, and then contribute. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that I see in so many uh, cases it, within myself. It takes a degree of discipline to be able to do that. And trust me, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> successful at that many times, but I endeavor to try and and, and and be that way. And and the few times I've been able to be, you know, uh, disciplined enough to show respect, listen, learn, and then open my, my big mouth. <laughs> it uh you know, I, I've I've been more successful than the times that I haven't. I end up putting my foot in my mouth. <laughs> so
0: well, I, I love the humility that, that that you show, but I absolutely agree respecting listening and and learning and doing our absolute best to be conscious of, of treating all as equally as we possibly can is absolutely key. But it's also important to recognize that we all do have biases. It's a natural human thing and so Absolutely. i mean I know there's been a lot of talk about unconscious bias training does it work does it not work etc but i think ultimately recognizing that we do naturally have those biases and then just learning to as you said stop listen learn consider before yeah. then perhaps reacting is uh, is the best and most inclusive way way to go and you you talk obviously there about respect and rights and such like and i know that you've done a lot of work when it comes to human rights both yes. in the public And private and also the third sector and I I wondered again whether we might be able to talk a little about this because I think what is really interesting at the moment is there are organizations a lot of big corporate organizations that are harnessing uh, things like the UN Sustainable Development Goals which I know that we spoke about again previously and looking at these human rights movements and, and and kind of charitable organizations almost to to innovate and to bring some of their methodology, I guess, into uh, what it is they're doing within within their companies. And um, it seems to me that there's a really nice possibility for, for learning between the two where, where perhaps in uh, you know, a number of years ago they were seen as very very separate entities there's a huge amount as you've had the commercial um, you know a, a, and business corporate experience and also a lot of work uh, yes. within the charitable and, and human rights kind of area that you can kind of bring these two together and, and the two maybe start to become more melded which surely is the best way to move forward as businesses and organizations for wider society
1: It's interesting because I I, I like to look at the, I love models. So I I think one of the things that uh, if you look at this as a continuum, before you start to create any sustainable or prosperous proposition, you've got to establish a real sense of peace and, and clearly undertake your duty of care. And I think that's what's what's absolutely imperative. And really, human rights is part of us showing our respect and protection of people's you know, of people's well-being. And that is in the you, if you if you don't do that in the first instance, you've failed before you've even started. Many people like to get right to the prosperity. <laughs> what's, the what's the return? What's the return? What's the return? Versus actually do we have the right principles from the get-go to actually be able to deliver a return that's worth its while that it's not we're not delivering something at all cost or for the wrong cost it's really important so if we go with the things i've learned is that you know particularly in my business what we're in the we're in the business of creating people's proudest moments that's you know, that's what sport does. It creates people's proudest moments, whether that's for the athletes themselves, their fans, their families, their communities. The, you, know, uh, you know, it is about creating a series of, of stories and milestones that we remember, we recognize and we remember. But if we do that at the harm of people, or we disenfranchise people, or we've done this in such a way that it is so exclusive, that people aren't a part of that, that this is just for some and not for all. Um, It creates, I don't think those things resonate, Uh, and, and I think there's an intersection there that has forced, we use sport as the example, for us to say, okay, first and foremost, when we put on this event, when we run this program, are we safeguarding everyone's interest? are we upholding our duty of care are we protecting people's rights you know as people before we get on to actually promoting and empowering Mm -hmm. to, to take the platform to take the podium to to even to even get on the pathway um have we put in the building blocks to ensure that you know their rights are protected and that we've taken, we've, we've, we've upheld our commitment to a harm-free environment. And that's all that human rights really is, is ensuring that we've created a harm-free environment in which people can enjoy the experience and work within. And then we can go on to sustain, creating a sustainable system uh, and create, uh, you know, how do we get people to work more efficiently and effectively within that? you know, and then how do we celebrate success, you know, I think that's the, and, and, and acknowledge that success and reward that success. And, and that's, I think that's really transferable. So that's the kind of the continuum we've we've, we've taken is uh, respect, protect your duty of care. It's uh, promote, empower, which is, which of course is uh, harnessing where uh, uh, preparation meets opportunity. It's harnessing the success. And then uh, it's really about recognizing and remembering, and that's really about that 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 celebration, and that's really the continuum we like to we like to use in creating people's you know proudest moments. But it starts with. You know, that human rights element of, you know, protecting people and respecting who they are.
0: It's an excellent way around to do it in contrast to the more archetypal business models where it is very much about profit first. Because if you go with the values driven, value centric, everything else to a degree becomes easier as a process to put in place. People before process, ultimately, yeah. is, is what you're saying. And whilst um, you know, as you you alluded to before, no no sport, no organisation isn't without their complexities and isn't without their challenge. It's a great thing about the about the Commonwealth Games is is it is you know, arguably the the first and kind of most international inclusive sport. I I read that the World Economic Forum as well called the event very inspiring and significant, which I think then ties into that human rights aspect. And I wondered, for those who perhaps don't know um, the Commonwealth Games as well, why has it been deemed that? Is that because of the...
1: It's part of it's because of who we are, who we represent. You know, we... Uh, uh, part of it is what we, what, what and how we do it. Um, You know, I think if you start off with what or who is the Commonwealth, well, I guarantee if you ask Commonwealth citizens such as yourself, (laughs) what that means to you, you know, first of all, many people will say, well, I've never thought about that. And I've never actually been asked that question. Um, But what the Commonwealth essentially uh, represents is it's, One third of the world's population. And so uh, some of that history in terms of the British Empire uh, and and the spans of the British Empire are part of that. But we also have now countries like Rwanda as well as Mozambique who have joined this assembly of nations. So essentially it's 53 countries that is represented through uh, or comprises 71 nation, 72 nations and territories. We have two-thirds of the world's small states and island states. We have one half of the top twenty emerging cities in the world are within the Commonwealth, and of the two point six billion citizens in the Commonwealth, sixty percent are under the age of twenty nine. Wow. So, geography and the demographics alone—it's diverse, it's rich, it's complicated, it's youthful, and uh, it's also—you know—I would say quite interconnected because of that historical aspect. What we have essentially done is celebrated uh, or, or and continue to celebrate that diversity, but we also are addressing some of the aspects of the, the history, the good, the great, the bad, the ugly as part of this process uh, and what that makes of us today. So we've we've been we've we've done some heavy activation in terms of LGBTI uh, rights advocacy as part of our work. And that's, you know, everyone's on a journey uh, throughout the Commonwealth, on some of those uh, uh, some of those question marks in terms of people's rights to identity and, and belonging, we we deal uh, with issues around Indigenous reconciliation. We've worked on child rights issues and the promotion of child rights and uh, child safeguarding as well as chi- children's empowerment. We we partnered with UNICEF, for example, in in Glasgow and and raised six point five million pounds during our opening ceremony. Wow. Uh, to benefit children in 53 countries, uh, 11.7 million children benefited from uh, those programs following Glasgow from 2014 to 2018. So we use the games as a platform, and you know it's also an elite sporting event. You know We broke six world records in, in various sports in Gold Coast uh, during the games, and at the same time also had, I think, 83 Commonwealth records broken. Um, at those games, so you know again, I and mean, we recognize the incredible performances you look at a number of the Commonwealth athletes that come from the Commonwealth and how they uh, perform both on the World Championships and Olympic Games stages so we it's we're a nurturing incubating body for great sport, but sport with meaning, purpose, and that uh, really promotes social change so the Commonwealth is, uh, is, is not just a historical designation. It's very much a movement for social change and, uh, dare I say, platform for creating people's proudest moments.
0: God, there's 83 records. I can't believe that. That's amazing. That's yeah. even more countries. Which, if I remember correctly, you said it was 73 countries you had experiences. So 83. blooming hell, that is just yeah, yeah. astronomical.
1: <laughs> well, was well, amazing. I mean, and and you know, I had the privilege of being uh, chief executive of Glasgow 2014, and we we you know we we, we took a quite progressive uh, uh, approach. Had fantastic partners, but, both in, in Glasgow City Council, Scottish government, UK government, and, and uh, further afield in our, 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 both our national and our international sports partners. Um, Gold Coast, you know, did a, a tremendous job at, at raising the bar even further and continue that. And we really see this, you know, next games coming to Birmingham in 2022, you know, will continue to, to raise the bar. And we, we're looking at a sports program that uh, will have more women 's medal events than men's for the first time we have the addition of women 's t20 cricket, which is taking the world by storm right now. We have inclusion of beach volleyball and a number of other uh, sports which will make its made its debut in Gold Coast and will continue continue on. Uh, we have just you know amazing success of netball and, and rugby sevens and uh, you know of course the athletics and and swimming are always uh, fantastic so uh, you know we, we continue to to push our kind of standard sports property, but with real vigor, meaning, and... You know and and in a responsible in a responsible way with a real conscience
0: wonderful thank you ever so much for sharing and before we head into uh, into the lightning round before we run out of time for for today um i wonder for those that are listening in thinking wow this is fantastic and i didn't realize that actually uh, the games included so many different aspects across so many different countries how people get involved
1: yeah so look first thing is is uh connect with us connect with us online connect with us uh, through any of the social media channel channels from from instagram to facebook to to twitter and i think we're i think we're on a few others uh but you'll you'll have to take a look go to our website but definitely connect with us both with commonwealth games federation and through commonwealth sport i would say take a look at uh the Transformation 2022 Strategic Plan, which is the Commonwealth Games Federation Strategic Plan, which talks a lot about what I've I've talked about today, but within specifically to the Commonwealth uh, uh, position. Birmingham 2022, if you're interested in volunteering, if you're interested in getting a job, if you're interested in, in business opportunities, go to the Birmingham 2022 website and engage with Birmingham 2022. You know, we—it's it, going to take—it's going to take all hands on deck to make uh, Birmingham 2022 a, a raging success. And yeah, and obviously, uh, you can once engage with us, you'll continue on this journey with us, and uh, you know, we'll go uh, from Birmingham 2022 and beyond. So, please do connect with us, and and also look for some of the great opportunities of how you can get involved. And if you have ideas, send them to us. Info at thecgf.com. Send us your ideas. It's always, always most welcome. Thank
0: you. Excellent. It's a great northern city as well. I can't wait for the Birmingham 2022. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> It'll be I would love to be there. But before we run out of time for today, David, I'd love to, to get into our, our lightning round. And I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, which may be a challenge in itself. To yeah, absolutely a challenge questions. for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling your leg. I'm pulling your leg. Um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I'll give you about 30 seconds to, to answer them. And then we'll do, do a summary for today. But thank you ever so much. I, uh, I would have loved to get into strategic plans, which maybe we save for another, another podcast. I know right. you're a massive fan of our strategic plans, especially when it comes to inclusion. I think actually, and yeah. there's so much that organizations can learn from, you know, often quite simple frameworks Absolutely. when it comes to inclusion. So let's definitely chat about that one later. But, uh, but lightning round, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so, first of all, who's been the biggest inspiration to you, David, to date?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, I have to start with my mother and, uh, you know, dare I say, figures like Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela, you know, people who fight for freedom and fairness and who have been willing to to risk it all.
0: Great answer. And... Have you had a favorite country that you've lived in? Because obviously, 73. Oh, it's a lot from from New Orleans to Glasgow. It's Yeah,
1: you know, you know, I, I love I, I, I love Scotland. Really enjoyed living in Scotland and working in London. You know, one of my favorite countries that I've I've visited and had the privilege of working in has been Brazil, and particularly Rio de Janeiro. I think they, you know, just the the wealth of of perspectives influences mixed mash of cultures of indigenous people, uh, you know, the African diaspora, as well as the European diaspora, and how that has created this complex mix, uh, it, it really just, it, it, it absolutely blows me away. And I also do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so that's been something I've been doing for 10 years, and that's probably also why I have this real connection with Brazil. So
0: we ought not to mess with you then, David.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it keeps <gets> me going. <laughs>
0: And obviously, we have been talking a huge amount about diversity and inclusion. But what does diversity, inclusion and belonging mean to you personally?
1: You know, I, I think it's, it's really the essence of how we identify with ourselves and others and, and really is the basis for our, our sense of belonging and purpose. And I think without, without having a conscious understanding of what we mean by equality what we mean by diversity and what we mean by inclusivity we are working unconsciously and i think that's so i think it is important it is actually how we narrate articulate our values and how they fit together which ultimately defines who we are and where we belong
0: lovely and I know that you're a fan of quotes. I spotted one on your LinkedIn profile earlier, actually. But have you any particular favorite, quote, favorite quotes or indeed books or, or, or anything that you are listening to or, or have, I don't know, had as a mantra whilst you've been going throughout your career?
1: Never mistaken kindness for weakness. That is one that I I've uh, I can't remember if I heard it or <laughs> or, or or not, but it, uh, where I've heard that from. And then I th- one that my grandfather gave me years ago, which is uh, respect everyone and fear no one. Those two are I think really important, particularly in this time and age. Is that respect everyone but fear fear no one, because you should have confidence in in your beliefs and your your sense of self to stand up for what you believe. And then of course. You know, I think often we've mistaken kindness for weakness. And I think we're always seeking to be kind in the first instance is so critical today. Keeping ourselves in check and don't be critical of others who generally may be just being kind.
0: So simple, but so incredibly true. And being kind right now never has there been a more important time to, yeah. to just be kind Uh, and I love that second one from from your grandfather I've never I've never heard that one and fearing no one is I mean we are all equals at the end of the day and so so we really should try not to fear to fear anyone and like you say have that confidence in yourself sense of self which actually brings me quite nicely into my very final lightning round question which is if you were to give your younger self advice when you were Uh, your, your younger self back in back in New Orleans what might you have said to yourself or indeed whilst you're mulling that one over if there's anyone out there thinking well that was a great quote but there's plenty of people I fear I certainly feared lots of people when I was younger and didn't have a huge amount of confidence so for your younger self and for those who are perhaps let's say early on in the career or there might be at C-suite level, who knows? But actually, secretly lack that confidence and that self-belief. What, what would you, what would you say to them, David?
1: Oh goodness! I think you know. It does start with respect. You need to respect your respect for your, yourself before you can respect others. And so, I think that that's certainly one thing: uh, is to can you self, can you have self-respect, and can you respect others? And I think that's a that's a that's a really fundamental of the puzzle because then only then can you start to not fear people and see the value that you can contribute and and others and i think if i were to give myself some advice i think it would be clearly to uh not always run sometimes take time to smell the flowers and and take time to appreciate what you have I, I think that that's you know I think i I spend a large portion of my career running from one thing to the next because I thought that that was the way to get ahead, but versus really appreciating along the way what I had achieved and uh and really reflecting on that and i I, I tend to reflect during Christmas time often because it's a it's just a, a time of of focus. And I, I, I really do think taking more time to reflect earlier on could have helped me make even better decisions than um, I have. I've, I've been very lucky and very fortunate to have a lot of fantastic support through uh, great times and tough times. And uh, I think that's the other thing is, is no one does anything alone. And nothing is meaningful. If you aren't connected. And so I really think that, you know, we should, we need to remember that we want to share our success and share the success of others. And I think it's the more we can be genuine and, and open in that. And I think I, I, you know, I think that the values that uh, we had at Glasgow 2014 were really powerful. We are trustworthy. We always seek to raise the bar. We win together and we deliver you know I, I learned that probably those those elements and how that fits together later than i would have liked to <laughs> so i probably would tell my something something along that line <laughs> tell my Something like that or, or along those lines.
0: That is just fantastic. And some really great mantras there to to be able to learn from. And I, I know for a fact that many will have been inspired and educated and motivated, as I have been, from oh. from listening to you on the podcast today. So thank you ever ever so much and whilst there's been many many learning points I'm going to do my best now to just summarize a couple of very key points from today I'm sure they'll be different for everyone but certainly for me I I think it's been fascinating learning the personal background and actually you know the huge amount of multiculturalism that that you've embraced across all the different different countries and hopefully people can can take time to observe uh, things and people and, and countries through different lenses because often that is what it takes if you can't sometimes have that lived experience really trying very very hard and listening uh, as well as you can to understand other people's points of view if you don't have that lived experience is critical because there are as you alluded to right at the beginning um, you know many different historical elements that are still very relevant and we should be taking those into account when it comes to uh, people's viewpoints and, and people's perception mm-hmm. but also I, I love the fact that we are talking about things like the games being a platform and a power for good and I think hopefully that's something that businesses leaders and organizations alike can really learn for from leaders who are in positions of power and in in positions of influence should be whichever industry you are in whichever country you are in really harnessing those possibilities for good because you are a role model every leader is a role model I believe and every leader is setting an example and setting the bar to use your terminology for the future generations of leaders and paving the way and so we must make sure we are harnessing these platforms for good and as you said David making sure that what we're doing are our strong movements for social change never more important than it is is now but finally, the advice that you gave yourself really fantastic and uh, reflection is key that really resonated a lot with me because I find myself running or kind of bobbling around a lot of the time thinking oh god what's next what's next what's next um you know the, the, there's there's few times sometimes to uh, be able to reflect and it is it's like the mountain analogy isn't it it's very easy to 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 look at how far you've got to go to climb up that mountain but actually sometimes stopping smelling the roses and looking at how far you've traveled up that mountain is sometimes the best uh, best that you can do by way of actually deciding the best course up that mountain so stop and reflect make sure you take time for yourself as you say if you don't take time for yourself you don't respect yourself first it's very hard to give that respect out to others and to to be fearless and fear no one so thank you ever so much david you know again it's been a been a true honor to have you here on the show uh, today really fabulous indeed and for those that, that enjoyed the podcast and if you haven't managed to write everything down or you haven't managed to get all the website links don't worry everything will be in the show notes at the end of today's show as always. So you'll be able to check those out. You can check out David's profile. You can check out the websites that he's mentioned and some of the key pieces around human rights and such. As always, my name is Layla mackenzie dallas You've been listening to the Diverse and Inclusive Leaders podcast show. We're with you every week, but we're now here two times a week, uh, so twice weekly, to support in times of of, of difficulty. Um, If you are having a difficult time or if you have been affected by anything at all that was mentioned in today's show, please don't be a stranger. Please do reach out. We are giving away completely free all-access membership online, and we have a COVID-19 support hub as well so you can log on to that for free and hear from many inspiring leaders about what they're going through at the moment with their teams visit www.dalglobal.org and we will see you again very soon